welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We're going to spend the day today talking about Governor Rick Snyder, who is expected to deliver his State of the State address for 2017 tonight. Uh, He will apparently talk a lot about infrastructure. I expect he will talk about the economy and education. We are going to spend the hour talking about uh, first the economy. We will turn to education and then turn to the environment, uh, focusing specifically on what is still going on in Flint after the water crisis, uh, two years now that we have been trying to deal with that. And the governor promised last year that this would be fixed. Uh, What is he going to say this year about what's going on in Flint? Uh, And all hour, we want to hear from you, especially. Uh, What are you expecting the governor to say? What do you want to hear from the governor? What do you want him to address? What would you like uh, to see happen in Michigan over the next year? Uh, And what will he be able to, to work with this new legislature, which is even more conservative than the last legislature, Uh, What is he going to be able to get done over the next 12 months? 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there. Or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work your comments into the conversation. Uh, Also, all day and into the evening as we are covering the state of the state, you can send uh, uh, messages to us about what you want the governor to address tonight. Send them to wdet.org or uh, hashtag my SOTS on Twitter, uh, and we'll be talking about those things as well, your ideas throughout the day. Again, 313-577-1019 if you want to join the conversation. Talk about the governor's state of the state address, what you are expecting to hear from him, and what you want to see done in Michigan over the next 12 months. Uh, up first, um, a, a year later after the after he talked about this Flint uh, problem and what he wanted to do. Of course, nothing really is resolved in Flint. Uh, there are things are moving toward the point where people can turn on their taps and drink the water, uh, but we're not there yet. And that's going to be one of the things that we expect him to talk about tonight and that we were going to talk about in the third part of the show. I want to start the show, though, by talking about Uh, Michigan's economy, uh, which by many measures is in much better shape than it was when he took office. Uh, He also hopes to take some credit for Detroit's turnaround and the policy goals uh, here for the upcoming year. So we want to talk candidly with some experts about the actual state of the state. Uh, We'll try to do this as free of spin and political posturing as we can. We've got some folks lined up who actually pay attention to these things, have deep knowledge uh, in the subject areas, and will join us this morning to chat about what uh, what to expect from Governor Rick Snyder. So up first is Charles Ballard. He is an economics professor at Michigan State University, has for many years paid very close attention to uh, the economy here in Michigan, how it works, how it doesn't work, uh, how the different levers that governors and legislatures can pull uh, can affect the economy here. Charles, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me on the program. Absolutely. Uh, I talked with the governor uh, at the end of last month, at the end of 2016, uh, about a number of, uh, of things. One of them was the economy. 
uh, he has had a very consistent message about the economy since he took office. Uh, this is somebody who is very optimistic, very bullish on uh, the idea that things are getting better here in Michigan. Uh, uh, give me your sense of what when he talks about this great American comeback story, which he has many times uh, described what is happening in Michigan uh, that way. Uh, how does that fall on your ears? Uh, put that in some context for us. Well, there's absolutely no question Michigan's economy, like the economy of everywhere in the United States, is is way better than it was at the depths of the Great Recession. Um, the the turnaround actually began in the last year of Jennifer Granholm's uh, administration, and so the, the the economy had already turned around and begun to grow coming out of the recession when Rick Snyder took office, and it has continued to grow uh, since then. Uh, there's a lot of good news, bad news. Uh, we've gained, since things bottomed out, um, more than half a million jobs in Michigan. That's that's good news, and most of them, of course, when Snyder was uh, was governor, o- only the the first, I think, seventy thousand were when Granholm was still in office. Right. Um, so, so that's good. But but the losses of the previous decade were so big that we're still a third of a million jobs below where we were when employment in Michigan reached its all time peak in two thousand. So there's a good news, bad news, and here's another one. We've um, we have moved back up in the rankings of per capita income among the 50 states. Mm-hmm. At, the, at the worst, we we were 38th. We are now up to 33rd. So good news, right. 33rd is better than 38th. <laughs> Bad news, 33rd Still not is not great. as good as 32nd or 31st or, yeah. or, or any of the others. So, yeah. so you know, we've, we have definitely made some progress. There's no question about it. I'm concerned about uh, the, the long term, it, not just these couple of years, but where will we be 10, 20 years from now? And I'm not sure that we're undertaking the kinds of investments that we need to do to get where I think we need to go. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the governor, of course, uh, one of the first things he did to try to get jobs growing in the state of Michigan was to push through a very significant restructuring of taxes. Uh, in the state, um, uh, a, a huge reduction in the taxes that businesses were going to pay. And then he asked uh, individuals uh, to pay more. Six years in, uh, we're seeing how that is unfolding. And I asked the governor in December, I asked him specifically about shortfalls in business tax revenue, uh, the, 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 the fact that we're getting about something like $40 million, I think, this year total off of business taxes. And he had this to say about why when I asked him about whether this was a fault of the tax structure or if something else was at play. Let's listen to what he what he told me in December. On the business side, in terms of the corporate side, the, the biggest thing we're still addressing are the tax credits that were given out before I was governor. Right. And in many cases, as people are claiming these credits, is they're doing better as companies. And there's literally... Uh, $8 billion plus of overhang. Um, and that's as large or larger than some of the amounts that would be collected. So we've got a lot of historical legacy we're still working through and will be for a number of years. So, um, and we need to learn from that and not have that happen again. Okay. That was Governor Rick Snyder in December telling me that the reason we are coming up short in terms of tax revenues here in the state of Michigan is not because of the tax 
cuts he put through for business uh, when he took office, but because of the overhang from tax credits that were given during the Granholm administration. Uh, Charles Ballard, uh, economics professor at Michigan State University, does that have a ring of truth to it? It has some ring of truth. I, I, I think it's what he says is true, that there, there were a lot of tax credits that were given out uh, and I think he's he's absolutely right that that was a, a not a policy that we want to repeat. I mean, there was a long time in Michigan where anybody who shows up in a Brooks Brothers suit and, and says, hey, I'm going to create jobs, would just throw millions of dollars of tax breaks to them with no accountability. Um, I think it was a failed policy. And the the bill for some of that has, has coming due. Now, um, the governor, as I understand it, uh, he and lots of other people were kind of caught – unaware they didn't realize how much of this stuff was out there and so that's maybe on him also you know the, he was the one who pushed through very very large uh business tax cuts yeah. um and and you know that that's that's going to be less revenue uh some of that was made up with some increases elsewhere in the revenue system but it was a net revenue loss and um you know I emphasize more than anything else what we have done in Michigan in the last 30 years, really. We've been just obsessed with and addicted to cutting taxes. Tax cuts, sure. And and, and the, the results of that are plain to see. Uh, children in Flint uh, with poisoned water, uh, some of the worst roads in the country, um, and we've we've slashed higher ed spending so that tuition has skyrocketed at our universities. We've slashed K through 12 spending. Those are all things that I think are mistakes, yeah. and they are a direct result of our obsession with our addiction to uh, tax cuts. And and so, um, I wouldn't give terribly high. Uh, marks. And I don't think that the business tax cuts have done a whole lot to juice the economy. Maybe they, they may have helped a little bit. Well, as you point out, we're still behind other states. I mean, we're still uh, way behind other states that didn't cut their taxes, business taxes the way we did are growing jobs faster or growing more jobs than we are. We've cut taxes significantly. And yeah, uh, jobs are growing, but they aren't doing what, uh, what what I imagine anybody would would like them to be doing, including Governor Rick Snyder. Uh, all right, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Charles Ballard, an economics professor at Michigan State University. We are talking about the state's economy in advance of Governor Rick Snyder's State of the State address tonight. Uh, the economy is one of the things that I expect that the governor will address during uh, his speech tonight. Uh, what do you think about the economy here in Michigan? Do you worry about the extent to which we've cut business taxes? Uh, and revenues are down uh, from from business taxes since he took office. Uh, are you worried about job growth here in the state of Michigan? Is it going fast enough? Do we have the right policies in place to grow jobs for people here in Michigan? Uh, also, what would you like to see the governor do this year to get the economy going faster? Are there things that he ought to be revisiting? Should he be looking back at tax structure, maybe making uh, alterations to the plan that he put in place when he took office in 2011? 313 Five seven seven one zero one nine is the number to join the conversation. That's three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. Talk about Governor Rick Snyder's State of the State address, uh, specifically the economy. A little later in the show, we're going to talk about education. We're going to talk about the environment and infrastructure. 
specifically as they relate to the Flint water crisis. Uh, you can call now to talk about those things as well, 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work your comments into the conversation. Uh, Charles, one of the frustrating things uh, that, that I've found with the governor over the last six years is is his unwillingness to, to kind of uh, rethink the things that he's already done. And and specifically here, I'm thinking about the tax structure here in Michigan. He made huge changes in those first six months that he was in office. And we've seen the effects of them unfold over the last six years. But every time I ask him about, well, hey, uh, this doesn't seem to be working the way you thought it would. It doesn't seem to be working exactly the way you promised. Are you going to go back and, I don't know, rethink it or tweak it a little bit? The answer is always no, that that uh, he doesn't really want to want to do that. Um, uh, do, do you expect that there is a possibility that, that, that in the last two years now of, of this administration, which is what we just entered, he will have to, to think longer term about these things that as he looks at his legacy – uh, does he want to leave the state in a position where he's essentially leaving a problem for his successor? That's a good question. You know, I, I, Rick Snyder is certainly not the only uh, elected official who, if he thought he was making a mistake, he might not want to admit it because, you know, that's seen by many as a sign of weakness and all that. The other thing is he may not believe that it was a mistake. Uh, right. After all, the economy, as we've said, the economy has grown. Um, it's continued to grow under his administration, and so he may think that the tax cuts really did the job. My sense is that the tax cuts were secondary. The big thing was the general recovery of the U.S. economy. Well, and the and, auto bailout helped and, us. And, and, and that's what I was getting yeah. to. The, the most important thing that's happened for the Michigan economy in this century was the um, auto rescue um, because without that, it would have been a whole lot worse. Um, But, you know, the tax cuts may have had some effect. But remember, taxes are way down on the list of what's important for tax. Low taxes are way down on the list of what's important. What's important is to have a highly skilled workforce. And we lag behind in every measure of educational attainment and skill behind the national average. So the one thing that I hope he says tonight, I don't know if he'll say it, but uh, going forward, you know, there's a lot of talk in Lansing about uh, eliminating the income tax. Yes. I hope he says the truth, which is that is a horrible idea that would uh, pin us into a bad situation for years, for decades to come. And I hope he says that if anything even remotely resembling that comes to his desk, he will veto it. Yeah. Uh, I don't expect him to say that, but uh, I sure hope he does. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I wrote a column in uh, Sunday's Free Press about how irresponsible this proposal was, basically because it proposes to, to gradually reduce the income tax to zero without offering a replacement. You know, I'm all for innovative ideas about tax structure and uh, deciding that, you know, maybe the income tax is not the way we want to rely on revenue. But if you're going to 
take a dollar out, I think you got to put it back in, especially in a state where, as you pointed out earlier, uh, kids are drinking poison water in uh, one of the biggest cities where people's houses being swallowed up by sinkholes in uh, Macomb County caused by rotting infrastructure where the roads are impassable in many places. I mean, it's just it, the, the, there is an ideological uh, sort of purity to this idea that that is detached from the reality that we face here in Michigan, and and it's it's not just worrisome that uh, that you have legislators talking about it, as you point out. It's also worrisome if the governor doesn't just sort of come out and say right up front, you know, we're not we're not headed in that direction, and I won't I won't allow it. Uh, let's go to the phones here. Lots of folks want to talk about uh, the governor and his proposals. Uh, Matthew in Harper Woods, you're first up. Welcome to Detroit today, Matthew. Are you there, Matthew? All right. Maybe we lost Matthew. All right. Let's go to Al in Detroit. Al, welcome to Detroit today. Well, there you go. Um, hey, Al. I just, hi. Um, I just think that he's going to open up with the um, Lego song, Everything is Awesome, because I don't think he realizes. <laughs> the Lego song. <laughs> That's funny, Al. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't think he realizes what made Michigan, Michigan. When I grew up, we had, you know, UAW and... When you came out of UAW, your offspring from UAW made the area great. So you had the opportunity to become doctors, teachers, lawyers, whatever profession you wanted. And what seems to be missing is the fact that I don't mind being taxed, but I want the money to be spent reasonably or purposely. We've been how long have we been talking about roads in our area not being correct? Sure. Now we have sinkholes in 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 our in our in our roads that are popping up and basically sucking up cars and houses. I mean that has never happened before. Not to mention the fact that we have our major city, Detroit, who can't you can't bring population back into. We have population decrease. We are they all this restructuring, bankruptcy, all this other stuff. Nothing has occurred. Only thing that has populated was downtown Detroit. Okay, yes. We had the Red Wings building a new arena, which, okay, according to the work laws, they are supposed to hire, have more people from the city of Detroit be, work for us, work, working on the project than they're supposed to, but they're not, apparently. Okay, the, the Pistons are coming back. That's great. We have all four major sports downtown Detroit. It doesn't. That still doesn't affect the outside parts of Detroit yeah. that are not downtown. Yeah, Al, Al, Al that's a. Uh, I'm glad you called and made those points. I think there are a lot of people in Michigan who feel that same way. Like um, as though the things that the, the indicators that show that we're moving in the right direction, the things that say that we're getting better, don't don't resonate in their lives. Uh, they don't feel it. Um, Charles Ballard, uh, Michigan State economics uh, professor, the governor actually admitted to that uh, two years ago, or th- I guess almost three years ago now, during the reelection campaign. He said, you know, uh, the, the, the recovery that we've had so far doesn't reach enough people and not enough people feel it. I, I'm really wondering, um, I'm really wondering tonight, I guess, how does he sort of frame that? And at least in these last two years uh, that he has in in the governor's office, does he does he get to the space where he decides? I mean, I I believe the governor knows what things need to be done. I don't think he's been very effective at getting them done, especially with the legislature that he has. Yeah, I 
we talked earlier when I talked about the jobs growth, the uh, the income growth. That, those are averages. You know, those are overall total for the economy. Right. That doesn't tell about each individual. And the biggest story in the United States economy and in the Michigan economy in, in my lifetime is that in the last 40 years, if you're at the middle or below, you just haven't had hardly any income growth. Uh, and, and that's especially true in Michigan, which has done less well than much of the rest of the country. But if you're above the, me- the, the middle, you've done pretty well. If you're way above the middle, you've done fabulously well. The top 1% has done incredibly well. And so uh, as I look at what Michigan needs, it, what we need is policies that will that will not just help those at the top. Those at the top are, do, are doing fine. We need policies that will help the entire Michigan population. And, and that's that's something that is not going to come with income tax cuts. Um, which, of course, will disproportionately help those at the top. And and if we replace the income tax with a sales tax, that'll just punish those at the bottom. And we've already had we already have a tax system that overall is regressive. Those at the bottom pay a higher percentage of their income than those at the top. So right. it's that distributional aspect that I think we need to pay a whole lot more attention to, and not just the overall totals, because what the overall totals are is they're weighted toward what's happening for those who are already doing pretty well. Okay. Charles Ballad, economics professor at Michigan State University. Uh, Thanks very much for being with us on Detroit Today. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. Up next, we're going to talk about the state of education in Michigan in advance of the governor's state of the state address. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019 to join the conversation. Stay with us on Detroit Today. News, culture, community, every day on 1019 WDET, a different kind of public radio. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for tuning in. We are talking all hour today about the governor's state of the state address slated to happen tonight. What is he going to say about the economy? What will he say about the environment and the Flint water crisis? What will he say about infrastructure, Uh, an issue that has come up many, many times since he has been governor, now seems to be emerging as something that is more on people's minds as people's houses get swallowed up by sinkholes in Macomb County and the Flint water crisis continues to unfold even two years after it first surfaced. Uh, Now we want to talk, though, about schools. Michigan consistently ranks in the bottom half of states when it comes to school performance. The state's Republican-led legislature is often at odds with education experts over how to bolster that system and support great teachers and classrooms. What's the future of education in the region and in the state? Joining us now to talk about that is Kyle Garant, who is Deputy Superintendent of Education here in Michigan. Kyle, welcome to Detroit Today. 
Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, so give me first uh, your th- sort of thumbnail expectation of what you'll hear from Governor Rick Snyder tonight. Well, I, I think the governor will focus on you know some of the accomplishments from last year, You know whether it's the third grade reading bill or ending seclusion and restraint or and dealing with uh, you know, limiting zero tolerance policies at the local level. I think we'll see some, you know, kind of <clears throat> review of, of, of things that, that were done last year, but also look ahead to, to big issues that we have this year, whether it's an accountability system, whether it's school funding. I think he'll, he'll talk about um, his uh, 21st Century Education Commission and some of the conversations that are going on there, and, and that report's due, uh, due to his desk in February. So I think we'll we'll see you know kind of that you know kind of conversation around that and also maybe some conversation around how you know a changing federal landscape will um, will impact uh, impact education here in Michigan. Uh, you know, when I when I talk to people here in the state about uh, schools, uh, you, you hear a lot of concerns about money in particular mm-hmm. right now. Uh, one of the governor's first budgets uh, cut the 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 per pupil allocation to schools that's been mostly restored. I believe at this point uh, we're back to where we were, but. That that doesn't put us ahead. Uh, it doesn't put us ahead of where we were. It does, also doesn't put us ahead of lots of other states that have shifted toward uh, much bigger investment in in K twelve in particular. Talk about the effect of money uh, on policy here uh, in the Department of Education. Well, when you look at how the way we fund schools through Proposal A, I mean it's really focused on. It's really driven by student population, and as a state, and you know, we've lost. Uh, you know, close to 200,000 students in the K-12 population since since the early 2000s. So, we have less less students in the state, and we have more entities that are trying to educate those students. So, um, it really it really uh, puts a strain on districts as as population declines, as student population declines, and um, schools get into a cycle of having to you know cut programs and increase class sizes because. Uh, they need to, you know, meet their obligations to have a balanced budget. Uh, you know, there's been you know, quite a few um, uh, groups or, or reports on what to do around education uh, funding. Whether it was the the uh, uh, Augenblick study uh, last year that was that was done, or now there's a new group um, of business leaders and educational leaders that are uh, forming to to do a little a deeper dive on what. Uh, what we should do on education funding. I think everybody has uh, gotten to a point where they realize that something needs to be done and, and trying to identify what is, is I think, is going to be a hard, a hard task, especially if, if that pie of money isn't going to grow as you look at uh, needs both in inner cities and, and in rural, uh, rural parts of our state where you, know, you have children that just don't have the same um, opportunities that other children have. And, you know, when you look at CT programs, for example, you know, that's something that the governor is really, really uh, supportive of. And, and how do we uh, give all kids the opportunity, like uh, the cybersecurity program that's that's taking off in, in Pinckney or or the uh, robotics team that's in Stockbridge that's searching for uh, missing World War II soldier remains in, in the Pacific. You know, those are exciting educational topics that would um, entice more students to look at STEAM education and get into 
um, uh, CTE-related fields, and uh, but there's just parts of our state that don't have those opportunities for kids. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Kyle Garant. He is the Deputy Superintendent of Education here in the state of Michigan. We're talking about education in advance of Governor Rick Snyder's State of the State Address, which will take place tonight. What will the governor say about education? What do you want to hear from Governor Rick Snyder about uh, education uh, here in the sixth year of his uh, gov- gubernatorial administration. Mixed record in terms of funding uh, over the last six years. Would you want to see more money go to K-12 schools? Do you think we ought to revisit the way that we decide how much money each school uh, or each school district should get here in the state of Michigan? Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. That's 313 577 1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work your comments into the conversation. Also, all day today and into the speech tonight, WDET will be providing coverage of the state of the state. Uh, and you can send your expectations about the state of the state. What do you want the governor to talk about? Uh, send those to WDET.org or you can go on Twitter and hashtag my SOTS uh, and talk about the state of the state and follow along as we cover the speech live tonight. Uh, up next on the phones is Tom in Northwest Detroit. Tom, welcome to Detroit Today. Yeah, Happy New Year to both of you. Uh, you know what? I don't think we're going to get a glowing report uh, from the governor in terms of the state of education in Michigan. And, you know, also, I mean, the governor's got $550 million of teachers' money that, as I think it was said, that we were made to pay into a fund for some insurance that we weren't weren't sure we were going to be able to, you know, to use. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I hope that something can be done. And it, what they need to do, I mean, the legislators up in Lansing, I mean, there is so much anti-teacher legislation that has been created up there. I mean, you know, you go out here, and what do you do? You kill a program that was, you know, designed to help, you know, kids in, like, say, the kindergarten, first grade, so that when they get to the third grade, they're reading on level. But now what do you do? And I know and understand there's a shortage of teachers. I'm talking about in DPS. They kill that program to bring those teachers, I forgot how many of them, I think it was 23 or 24, uh-huh. into the classroom to, you know, take the burden off of other teachers because of the oversize. But... You know what? Um, I'm not looking for Snyder to say, like, uh, give a glowing report because if he does, I mean, the man's lying through his teeth. <laughs> All right, Tom, not okay. so happy with the with the way things have uh, have gone <laughs> since the governor has uh, since Governor Snyder has been there in charge of education as well as other things. Tom, thanks very much for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, Matthew and Harper Woods, you're next. Hey, um, my daughters are freshmen and sophomore, and they do one of the online academies, and I've been really, that's a piece that I've been so excited because, um, and I think the other issue continues to be the, um, it beats the drum, but bullying, I'm a pastor, and just to see, like I had a girl last week real fast at church, and she's like, everybody tells me I'm fat, blah, 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 and just to see, I think that's one of the biggest things that, obviously this is a stupid statement, but take away from the child's ability to reform, and it seems like schools try, 
but at the end of the day, it's it's such a and suicide is just such a big deal. I know that's a big societal issue. I'll throw that out to you. Online academies and bullying. Right? Right, well, Matthew, before I, before you go, uh-huh. I I, I want to ask you about the online academies. I haven't talked to a whole lot of people oh. whose kids are participating in that. Talk, talk to me about how that how that works and why you think I've it's had, good. Now I'm a yeah. pastor. I've had two other kids who've done two other online academies. I didn't like them because they didn't really provide the input. My daughters are at Great Lakes Cyber Academies through a national connexus, and it's been wonderful because they're home, they're working, you have to put so many hours a weekend, you're supposed to do like 34. You still do the state requirements, um, and it's really good because um, the teachers, you'll get assigned a teacher that follows you through, and it is, um, I have really been pleased with it because what it does is it takes the social pressure of bullying out so they can maximize but you've got to make sure of course they have friends somewhere else the physical fitness but it's um i would encourage you to do a show on it because it's it's a kind of a a piece that it like in some of the bad school districts that they can theoretically have access to um some good education so my again my academy is great lake cyber academy and I've been very, so they check in, they do it mostly online. If they have any questions at this place, the teachers are just, they're right there to answer the questions. They can do webinars, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Matthew, I'm 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 glad you called and uh, filled us in on what it's like to have a kid in an online academy. I appreciate it. Thanks very much, uh, Kyle Garant. Uh, before I let you go, um, I, I want to ask about third grade reading, which is something that we've seen the legislature really focused on in the last twelve months, uh, debating mm-hmm. this idea of uh, <clears throat> holding kids back. I guess uh, is is. The, the way you describe it, if they can't meet uh, reading standards by the third grade, the governor hasn't really uh, hasn't really weighed in a whole lot uh, in terms of what he thinks about that, and we haven't seen a bill get to his desk yet. What does the department think uh, about that approach, or you know, or, or other approaches to uh, to make uh, to make more kids uh, hit those marks by the time they're in the third grade? Well, you know, I think from a department perspective, I mean, we're our focus is really on how we're supporting schools to be successful in that realm. How we how we preparing teachers and supporting teachers to provide you know quality literacy instruction. Um, you know, that varies um, from district to district across our state. So, ensuring that teachers have the have the resources and skills to to be able to teach uh, uh, effective liter- literacy edu- instruction education. Um, you know, I think when you look at at the data, and there's a bunch of it out there that shows the uh, long-term impact that um, holding a child back um, does, and it's a negative impact. You know, that's that's not anyone's first uh, first choice. Right. And um, you know, from our perspective, we're you know through our Every Student Succeeds Act plan that we're developing right now as part of our federal funding stream, and uh, our state superintendent Wiston's uh, plan to make Michigan a top ten state in education in ten years. I mean, we're focused on on providing the resources necessary to to support uh, those students and teachers to be able to to read on level by third grade because it is a critical marker. Um, but you know, we 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 want the the notion of holding kids back if they're not ready to be the very last straw, and we want to put in place all the supports and um, opportunities that um, will help them succeed, whether it's. You know, extra time before and after school and extra support in the classroom with literacy coaches. Um, that's kind of where our focus is at. And again, we, we know that the, you know, that, that teachers have a tough job when it comes to that. And, you know, the previous caller talked about bullying. You've got a whole, 
um, other social, emotional, and, and um, non-academic side of sure. issues that students walk in the classroom with and that we need to make sure we help support and eliminate those barriers to learning so that we can focus on, on literacy and be able to, to read by third grade. Okay. Kyle Garant, Deputy Superintendent here in the state of Michigan. Thanks very much for being with us on Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Absolutely. Uh, All right, up next, we're going to talk about the state of the environment here in Michigan and infrastructure, specifically as it relates to the Flint water crisis, but also we're going to talk about it statewide. Lots of things happening on the infrastructure front, on the environmental front here in the state of Michigan. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones, 313-577-1019, to talk about the governor's upcoming State of the State address. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for being here. We are talking this hour about Governor Rick Snyder and his State of the State address expected to take place tonight. Uh, we're talking, we've talked about the economy. We've talked about education here in Michigan. Uh, now I want to talk about something else that I expect the governor to, to have something to say about, uh, the environment. Uh, as I said at the top of the show in his speech last year, the governor apologized for the Flint water crisis and promised to fix it. But so many Flint residents are still dealing with the effects of that crisis a year later. There's no question that things have improved, but there are still people who don't feel like they can turn on the tap, put a glass underneath it, and drink the water safely. Uh, What is the state of the environment, not just in Flint, but around the state of Michigan? And a related question, what's the state of our infrastructure here in Michigan? Flint is, uh, the Flint water crisis is about lots of different failures on lots of different levels. Uh, A lot of them have to do with leadership. A lot of them have to do with money. But one of the biggest has to do with infrastructure, the pipes beneath us, the roads that connect us. All of these things in the state of Michigan are in really bad shape. And according to a commission that the governor himself uh, put together, we are generating less than $4 billion. uh, We have generate $4 billion less each year than we need to take care of our infrastructure here in the state of Michigan. So what do we expect to hear from him tonight about the Flint water crisis, about infrastructure, about the environment? Joining me now to have that conversation is Kimberly Hill Knott. She is the director of policy at Detroiters Working for Environmental Justice. Kimberly, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, it's always great to have you here because uh, I feel like I feel like you have a perspective that, uh, that a lot of people don't hear from a whole lot. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad you're here. Uh, let's talk first about Flint um, and environmental justice, uh, environmental hazards. All of those things sort of converge right there in Flint. Uh, a year ago, we heard the governor say he was sorry, uh, and I think quite genuinely sorry for the things that went wrong that led up to the Flint water crisis. He said he would fix it. A year later, we're still waiting for that to really uh, to really be the case, to, the, for him to fully deliver on that promise. Uh, what would you expect to hear from him tonight about Flint? 
Well, that's a, a very good question. I, I think what is going to be important is for the governor to really establish a commission that brings various um, uh, entities together to figure this out. I believe that um, the footprint has already been laid with the environmental justice directive that uh, Governor Granholm actually put into force in 2010, right before she left office. Yeah. Um, hopefully what we'll hear tonight is not only um, what needs to be done, but the funds and the resources that have been appropriated or that will be appropriated to effectively address this issue. So we know that it's more than money, but money is very important. How do we bring the health department and all of the necessary agencies together to um, make sure that that never happens again in any city, but also to come up with an expedited plan to remedy these issues. I think that it will also be important that they more actively engage um, the academic community uh, that may have access or that will have access um, to uh, the data and the research that's needed, but really it's putting boots on the ground and getting it done. Whatever needs to be done, what are the types of um, uh, solutions that uh, can address these issues, and what are the resources that are needed to actually bring these resources or these uh, solutions to fruition? I mean, that that typically is uh, or, or defines the gap, I think, between what we want to do here in Michigan and what we actually are doing. I mean, this, this idea that money uh, somehow doesn't matter or that uh, we can't go get money or that we can't raise money for these things ends up being the sort of uh, the catalyst for failure uh, in, in these cases. And Flint, I think, is, is probably the most garish example of that, but it's not, it's not the only one. It's certainly not the only one. You know, it's interesting to see there was an article that was forwarded to me that said that there are many other Flints not only throughout Michigan, but throughout uh, the entire country. In fact, the city of Detroit is the most polluted zip code or has the most polluted zip codes in the entire state. So when you talk about the face of environmental justice, there are many faces, but Detroit is a major face. So when you talk about environmental um, protections, when you talk about uh, the regulatory process and cumulative impact, and the systems or methods that are set up to allow these companies, these uh, heavy polluting companies to um, locate in overly burdened communities, that's a problem. So we have to look at um, the zoning issues, we have to look at the permit issues, and we have to look at how we um, really incentivize pollution control measures in these companies. So create a a, a, a competitive environment where these uh, different uh, companies are actually incentivized for reducing their pollution. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you have to be worried, I would think, outside the context of what our governor does or doesn't do about some of the rhetoric that we've heard in advance of President-elect Donald Trump coming into office and the people he's going to put in charge of uh, the regulatory side of environmental issues here in the country. Uh, Scott Pruitt, as the EPA uh, administrator, I think has got to has got to worry about exactly what you're talking about. This idea that uh, it's the government's role, it's the government's job to make sure that companies uh, don't pollute the air and the water that uh, that, that uh, people depend on for life. Um, I, I don't know that we're headed in that direction. right? Well, now. I think, you know, what we have to make sure that this administration does not do is go back to 
really putting profit before health. And that's going to be an important uh, discussion that uh, environmental justice leaders, mainstream environmental organizations are going to have to have with the Trump administration because we cannot allow um, our protections to go back to what they were um, several years ago. So where you saw increased asthma uh, conditions and other respiratory illnesses, cancers and other um, significant health challenges. And so uh, Scott Pruitt is going to have a real fight on his hands. We are not going to take this sitting down. We expect him uh, to be a leader of all the people, not just the business community, but um, the most vulnerable communities, meaning uh, low income and communities of color, rural communities, urban communities and the like. And so that is going to it, it's really going to uh, force us to come out of our comfort zone as environmental justice leaders and begin to become much more comfortable uh, with talking to um more Republicans yeah. <laughs> about the importance of addressing these issues. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Kimberly Hill Knott. She's the Director of Policy at uh, Detroiters Working for Environmental Justice. Uh, we are talking about the state of the state tonight. Governor Rick Snyder all set to give his annual speech to the legislature. Uh, we have had discussions about the economy and education. Now we're talking about the environment and the infrastructure, specifically with regard to the Flint water crisis, which continues to develop uh, and hopefully move toward a, a resolution. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, talk about what you want to hear from the governor tonight, 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. You can also all day on Twitter hashtag MySOTS uh, to talk about the state of the state and follow along with WDET as we provide coverage of that speech uh, into the night. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number to join that conversation. John, on the east side of Detroit, you're up next. Welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Thanks hey, for the great conversation. Sure. So so originally I was going to talk about Flint, but I, I consider Flint to be like the BP oil spill and um, like Kalamazoo River, which was uh, a late way under the radar screen was a bigger disaster. So as a uh, community developer in the Detroit, in uh, Jeff Chalmers, we were doing uh, lead remediation back in the mid-2000s, uh, and it really was very difficult to, um, to work with the program. There were a lot of stipulations. And so just one case in point, uh, there was a woman that was going to get her house tested, and she decided not to because she thought she was going to get caught with the bag and have to clean up the mess if she got it tested. So she decided not to get this, and it would have been total. It would have totally remediated the house of lead. Yeah. So she's now since moved off, and now she's about 82 years old. Left the neighborhood. A couple from Chicago moved in, and. Uh, they have a two-year-old son now that has lead poisoning. Mm. And so we've got to really look at all of the lead issues, the paint, yeah. the pipes, all the lead issues, and how we're going to remediate these homes uh, 
so families yeah. can live in them safe. Yeah, John, great, great, uh, great call and and great points uh, to make there. He, he reminds that that. Uh, what's happening in Flint is not isolated. That yes. This is something that we've got to deal with everywhere, environmental hazards that, that, of course, disproportionately affect people who live in areas with high poverty uh, are, are all over uh, the state of Michigan. And we call those um, really environmental hotspots. And I'm so right. glad that John brought that issue up because uh, you may remember, I believe it was last year, when it was uh, discovered that Detroit public schools had a serious issue with lead. Right. And so lead uh, can be detrimental to a child's health, really impacting their blood level and causing neurological damage. And so it would be great if there could perhaps be a special um, pot of money that just addresses environmental uh, pollution and, and remedi- remediation funds. So you have the pollution control funds and what other pots of money do we have that can be used or tapped into to address these issues? Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's uh, talk with Ed in Detroit. Ed, welcome to Detroit Today. Hello, Stephen. Yeah. Great program. Thank you. Uh, I am old enough to remember when what we today call infrastructure was called public works. Yeah, right. <laughs> and we thought then that a civilized country had uh, a modern, up-to-date roads, bridges, water pipes, sewers, storm drains, libraries, and schools. And I have not heard in a long time our leaders um, dedicating themselves to that to that principle. Yeah. Indeed, in my youth, when you saw a public works project prominently displayed on the sign, was the words were the words, "Your tax dollars at, at work." work. <laughs> I remember that now, too, Ed. <laughs> I'm shocked you're old enough to remember that, Stephen. <laughs> but the what I want to hear from the governor and our our leaders in the legislature is a rededication to the principle that a modern society needs good public Public works. works. Yeah, no, right. Uh, And, you know, your predecessor on on this hour had a leader in the legislature on several years ago uh who said, all our constituents are saying, let's fix the damn roads. And that leader in the legislature wasn't even able to get yeah. his caucus to sign on. Yeah, I know which leader you're talking road. about. <laughs> That's right. Ed, thanks, <laughs> thanks very much for the call and, and the points. Uh, we've got about 40 seconds left, uh, Kimberly. Uh, again, this idea of prioritization and money and funding. Uh, we, we just can't get there with the leaders that we have right now, it seems. Yes, and that's unfortunate, and I believe that one of the reasons we cannot get there is because we are not seeing or they are not seeing the importance of these issues. Um, If it does not impact their district, then they don't care, uh, many of them. And so how do we change that scenario? And maybe we do it through environmental justice tours. Maybe we bring the solution or actually bring them uh, to these uh, uh, areas of challenge so that they can actually see the faces of these challenges. One last thing we would like to see the governor talk about is the energy legislation. We're glad that passed, but also putting pressure on the Michigan Public Service Commission 
to ensure that these utility companies rein in their costs and uh, increase investments in renewable okay. energy. All right. Kimberly Hill-Knott, Director of Policy at Detroiters Working for Environmental Justice. As always, thanks for being here.